Welcome, everybody, to episode 136 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And uh, we're just so pleased that you'd come back and listen to us yet again. We're just tickled pink. Taylor. Huh? How are you now? Not so bad, and you? Oh, sorry. Good, and you? Oh, not Fucked so- it up. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, not so bad. Um, uh, what's new? With with yous. Well, I just recorded a uh, commentary track for They Reach. Right. Yeah. With the, with the chillins. Yep. They somehow let me in a room with children. Again? <laughs> Man, like the whole time I'm like, don't say fuck, don't say fuck, don't say fuck. <laughs> Whatever. All three of their moms were here, so that that made it a little That made it awkward. extra awkward, yeah. Um, if they weren't, I probably would have said fuck. Yeah. I'd be like, fuck these fucking kids, fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was fuck, fuck you and your lion shirt. You've never surfed a day in your life, you little shit. <laughs> I was saying fuck, like I was like talking to you, talking to Silas, whatever, just saying fuck. Because you know what? It's my goddamn house. My dog's about to throw up. Oh no, Derby. Why is he throwing up? Well, this is awkward. Now he wants to come back in. Yep. I don't know where he is, so it's just gonna stay there. <laughs> I mean, fuck this carpet. <laughs> fuck my house. Uh, but yeah, speaking of which, yeah, like this is my house, so I'll say fuck whenever <laughs> I want to. I don't give a fuck who's here. Um, yeah, so that was fun. We did it twice, which was an undertaking. I was I was basically producing it. I wasn't actually involved in the commentary itself, but yeah. So we had, you know, Taylor, uh, the lead, Mary Madeline, um, Morgan Chandler, and uh, Eden Campbell all here. And then Bry was here kind of uh, directing things, and then Silas sh- showed up later. Fucking silence. Always late. Um. Anyway, so that's uh that's what we've been doing. Yep. You know, it's like I said, it's it's almost six o'clock now, and we usually start around like noon, maybe one. Yeah. So, want to get this, get this, get this show on the road, <laughs> get this antique on the road show. So, uh, anything new with you? Anything you want to chat about? No. No. Nope. That was that was my excitement for the week was today. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um yeah. Do anything for doing well, your dad's cross country, but did you did you send in something nice? No. Yeah. I'll just call him tomorrow. Be like, hey. Happy Father's Day. Yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, Father's Day. Well, I'm just waiting for Larry Bartles now watching. (laughs) Uh, Father's Day and well, and Mother's Day, they're like they've always been kind of a deal with my family because we always always made sure to like make an event out of it, sort of. Um, But it's been kind of dwindling in the past few years. Uh, 
And it's it's not because of us. It's like it's not it's not me and my sister that like aren't putting forth the effort. It's just like my parents are like, eh, you know, we don't have to do anything. <laughs> like, uh, okay, <laughs> I don't I don't know what to do now. We were gonna go to the Museum of Flight because there's like this really cool uh, Apollo mission um, <clears throat> uh, display at the at the museum, and. Um, my dad was just like, you know what? I have to travel for work next week, so maybe we could just stay at home. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> that was your birthday present, so <laughs> uh, anyway, cool. So Patreon, um, we have a group of people. This is a great lead into that. <laughs> We have a group of people on Patreon that we affectionately have dubbed the Grave Diggers that uh, contribute to the show monetarily every month um, and uh, help us keep this shit show going for whatever reason. Yep. If you stop paying us, we'll stop doing the show. <laughs> That's not true. Okay, Adam Green. <laughs> um, but uh, those people are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, the Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. So thank you so much, guys. Uh, your contributions mean a whole hell of a lot to us, um, and it really does help us kind of um, keep things going and uh, you know pay off the the little things that we need to you know that, that we'd otherwise have to pay out of pocket. Um, and your May perk should be up by now, or not now for you, but now for. The people listening. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, because then we got to do June, too. I know. We're not doing that today, are we? That was the plan. Did you watch it? You. Then I guess we're not. That's good, because I really don't want to wrap things up at like 8 o'clock. Yeah, I didn't either, but... Or, actually, it's probably going to be 8 anyway. More like 9 Close to it. Yep. Anyway... Um, so Taylor, if anybody else wants to be a grave digger, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash grave plot podcast for as little as $1. You get perks sometimes. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> uh, including video reviews chosen by the grave diggers. More money you give, more perks you get up to $100, which will earn you a fat unicorn tattooed on my keister. And, you know, one of you just really got to step up. And, you know, I know there are people out there listening to this right now that aren't a grave digger that just really wants to see a, a fat unicorn on this man's ass. And we just need one hero to step forward out of the crowd and say, today is the day. We'll live stream it for you. Yeah. With a with an adult content warning. Oh, yeah. Because ass. Right. <laughs> Um, okay. So, do we want to talk about these pre-mains or just... Yeah, let's, uh, I mean, we had a lot of weird trailers come out this past week. Yeah. A bunch of horror trailers. And weirdly, the one I'm most excited for is the Banana Splits. Really? <laughs> I mean, the other... I actually haven't watched the Doctor Sleep one yet. Oh, okay. And the, the Three from Hell trailer is just like, there's nothing. There's nothing to it. No, they're brilliant. I mean, it's a teaser, but... And, like, I see a lot of people saying... Oh, it's a teaser in the you know the, the 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 meaning of the word, um, and uh, it's like it doesn't tease anything. F- nothing fucking happens. Yeah, it's literally just like some shots. 
in no particular order. Yeah, it's just like people shooting guns and walking around and, and yelling. Yeah, and fucking Sherry Moon Zombie pretending to act. <laughs> it's amazing how in like three seconds total screen time, you can already like you can already pick up that she's bad at bad at acting. It's like that's remarkable. That almost is a skill in and of itself. <laughs> I'm not even mad. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of like 31 in this. Like, yeah, just stylistically, it, there's not a lot to go on. But I mean, Rob Zombie doesn't exactly stray out of his comfort zone very often. No, but it's it's weird because House of a Thousand Corpses was good. Devil's Rejects was good. A lot of his other movies, like. Halloween, I thought was good, but you know a lot of people didn't, and pretty much everything after that has been just a, a giant heap of shit. Um, and you know, f- for me, I think a lot of people were really hoping that it's like, okay, is going back to the Firefly family. Maybe he can do it again, and it just kind of doesn't look like he's going to. Yeah. Um. So. That's a little disappointing. I mean, I'm trying to reserve judgment until I can see more, but yeah, so far not impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, yeah, Doctor Sleep, which is of course a Stephen King novel, uh, that's been adapted. You know, over the years we've heard about so many different Stephen King properties being adapted, and some of them come out, most of them have been shit. Um, and a lot of them are just like, oh yeah, that's going to happen. And then it never happens. Right. But, and Dr. Sleep was kind of like one of the ones that I thought was just not going to happen. But then they started actually attaching people to it. Mike Flanagan came in as director. They attached Ewan McGregor to play Danny Tan- uh, Torrance. Danny uh, Tanner? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, that's like one of those things that just kind of flows, you know, rolls off the lips <laughs> or the tongue. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the, that trailer doesn't show a lot either. If you've read the book, it makes sense. Like what you're seeing makes sense, but I can imagine like, you said you haven't watched it, but I can imagine a lot of people that watched it and have not read the book are probably not totally grasping what's going on. Yeah. Um, but it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a, a sequel to Kubrick's movie as well as a, an adaptation of the book. Right, which is weird. Quite weird. Because the book, for those of you who have read The Shining, uh, is quite different. Yeah. And Dr. Sleep naturally picks up at the end of the original novel. So I feel like they're going to have to move them some things around t- to make it uh, congruent. Is that the right word? No, it's, that means equal. Um cohesive there you go that's the one um yeah so but i mean and what do you think about the banana splits that looks fucking wacky man it like i I think i said this too it looks appropriately ridiculous oh yeah i I guess i didn't really expect anything less i also expected that this wouldn't have actually happened i didn't realize it was made me neither (laughs) and that's the thing it's like you know we reported on it however long ago and I'm just like, okay, well, you know, that's funny, but it's probably never going to happen. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, it's done. It's It'll be out soon. It's like, yeah, yeah, like we never heard any kind of casting announcements. Yeah. Or... Not that it fucking matters. It's a sci-fi movie. Well, yeah. 
Um, but is it getting a theatrical release? Uh, I didn't the trailer say look look for it. No, it said look for it. Look for it on demand and something else. Hmm. Look for it on DVD on Blu-ray and on demand or something like that. So no, I don't think it is. Interesting. But it's it's strange that it's a sci-fi movie, like sci-fi sci-fi channel. Yeah. That is going for kind of a home. Yeah, not going to sci-fi channel. Right. Uh, But at least it has the chance of being just like an over-the-top R film. Yeah. Like it probably should be because it's just fucking nuts. Yeah, just bonkers. Anyway. So, yeah, there's some uh, exciting. Some things to look forward to. Yeah, hopefully exciting. We'll we'll see. Um, So, you want to just start out with some, uh, uh, what do we call it? Horror, horror business. business. That's 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 the one. You're you're so good. <laughs> you're so smart. <laughs> you're always you're always there for me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's do some horror business. So, starting out with some real world horror. Taylor, you know how you're always telling me you really want to like burn witches. Well, yeah, sure. Well, I mean... As one does. <laughs> sure. Uh, there's a place up for sale where you can do just that. Tell me more. Well, a medieval prison that held accused witches uh, is up for sale. Also, might be haunted. I mean, that would make sense. Sure. If you know, if a lot of people are dying there. Yeah, if you believe it's in that kind haunted, of thing. Yeah. There's a, there's a fair bet that if ghosts are real, there are probably some there. Yeah. Um, that math that math tracks. Sure. Yeah. During the Saint Osif uh, witch trials in 1582 that took place in Essex, uh, and that's in England. Yep. In, yeah, England. Yeah. London. <laughs> London town. Essex, London, England. <laughs> Everything's based out of London. <laughs> Everything's in London. <laughs> England is London, and London is England. Yes. Um, 14 women were accused of witchcraft-related crimes, for which three were executed. During the trials, uh, the women were housed in a prison known as The Cage. It's a clever, clever name. That's what we called the basketball court in my hometown. Yeah. Yeah, because I had, like, chain link fence around it. Yeah, that's what we call, like, the, the batting cages, because, you know, they're Because they're cages. <laughs> it's right there in the name. <laughs> But we shortened it up because we are hip. You're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> uh, the cage has since been renovated into a cozy, uh, although completely fucking ugly, two-bedroom cottage. I got to see this thing. It's gross. I see you conveniently put a little link in here, so. I'm always looking out for you. Wow, that's fucking heinous. It looks like a Salem witch, like a Salem house, uh, that's been painted bright fucking yellow, bright yellow, <laughs> and they just—it just looks like they just like built on top of it. Yeah, because um, it's still got like the really old looking door. Mm-hmm. Uh, the building was recently placed on the market by owner Vanessa Mitchell. Uh, this is the third time that Mitchell has tried to sell the cage since moving out in two thousand eight. That's a long time to just hang on to a place. Eleven years, yeah. She should just put it on like Airbnb. Yeah. She could make money. Just sell it to douchebaggins. There you go. 
He's probably looking for a, a way to spread his douchery into uh I mean the Haunted Museum London. There you go. Based out of the cage. And oh god, can you imagine the marketing that he'll use for that? Like he'll probably put it in like some big fat like some like no fear style font. <laughs> some WWE in the nineties font. <laughs> um uh, Mitchell reportedly fled the house in 2004 and moved elsewhere after seeing mysterious blood spatters and being physically attacked by malevolent ghosts, one of which was a satanic-looking goat. Black Phillip? Black Phillip. How does a goat look satanic? I don't know. It's ridiculous. Like its hooves are like this? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Although it's like... And he's like, Slayer! <laughs> have, you, have you watched Sabrina? Only season one. Did you see the Dark Lord? Yes. So, I mean, I'd say that's a satanic looking goat. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so if it looked like that, then, you know, maybe I'll buy it. Not the house. I don't want it. <laughs> um, let's see. But seriously, she should just turn it into like a bed and breakfast or an Airbnb or even rent it out. You can make fucking money. Like, yeah. I've considered, like, if we get like enough equity into this house... Just fucking start renting it out and buy a different house or rent a different house or something, because you can pay off the mortgage, more monthly mortgage, and more, just based sure, on rent. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't got to pay utilities. That's all in the tenant. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, with a reputation of attracting TV crews from around the world, this unique two-bedroom cottage comes of with a, comes available with many resident ghosts. Well, that's a selling point if I ever heard one. Yeah, that seems like an odd pitch. <laughs> uh, Home Domus. What? Home. I think it's that's the name of the realty, realty company. Got it. Home Domus. That's a stupid name. They should change that. <laughs> Unless I'm pronouncing it wrong. Either way, it's still dumb. <laughs> Home Domus. Is that better? Maybe it's Hamadomus. Yeah, it's probably Hamadomus. That makes sense. <laughs> Maybe it's Latin. Homestradamus. Hey, you, you pretended to learn Latin. What's it, what's it mean? Oh, I only know how to say the backwards doorway is the doorway of the doorway. Homus <laughs> uh, Domus 360. <laughs> Representative said on Facebook. Oh, that was the end of a quote. Oops. Uh, the asking price for the allegedly haunted former prison is 240,000 pounds. Which is roughly 305478 U.S. dollars. Which is more than I paid for this place. And this place wasn't even haunted. <laughs> but this one's two stories. That's a good point. This isn't two stories. <laughs> this is not two stories. Uh, so. And you don't have a cool reputation or a cool nickname like the cage. You need to give your house a cool nickname. Like, uh, like, like, like the Kate. No. <laughs> That's taken. I don't know. I'll think of something. Call it like the yard. Next episode, I'll I'll, I'll let you know what I've nicknamed my house. You'll forget. I will forget. <laughs> uh, so I mean, you're interested in real estate? I mean, uh, what kind of what kind of APR can I get on this? I mean, you got to get in now, man. You it's a buyer's get market. <laughs> it's a buyer's market. And you know those home loans—they're not getting any lower. Uh, those percentages, you know. Well, let me call Homus Domus. And... <laughs> We've talked about refinancing our loan, but it's like at this point, like I don't really really think it would be worth it because uh, APRs have gone up so high. 
So if we like refinance, we'd basically be signing a new loan um, with a different interest rate. Um, but like I said, it wouldn't make any sense to do so because we'd actually be paying more every month. But anyway, neat. Neat. Anybody who's in London. <laughs> Essex, London, UK. Uh, you know, check, I don't know, look at real estate stuff. Just Google Home Domus 360. Homus oh, oh. Domus. <laughs> Amsterdamus. Because <laughs> it's witchcraft. Wicked witchcraft. And although I know it's strictly taboo. So as I'm sure all you nerds out there know, nerds. last weekend was E3, the big ass video game convention. And among you know how those youths, they like their video games. They like the video games. Oh my goodness. I hope the mic picked that up. Oh Christ. Oh, I think there's a ghost in here. I have exercised the demons. You've heard the Nick Swartzen bit about the farting ghost. No. Like he tells the whole joke and he's like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever said. <laughs> it's like, whoop, whoop. So dumb. Uh, but of note from E3 is a Blair Witch video game. It's going to be called, wait for it, Blair Witch. Hmm. That's going to be a first-person, story-driven, psychological <laughs> nope. horror game. Brain cells lost on that title. <laughs> based on the cinematic lore of Blair Witch. This is an original story based on the legend of the Blair Witch from the makers of Layers of Fear. You know that one? Nope. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, the Blair Witch video game is set in 1996. In the game, a young boy disappears in the Black Hills. Young forest. boy. A young boy disappears in the Black Hills Forest near Burkittsville, Maryland. Hey, I know that place. No, you don't. You've never been there. I've never been there. But uh, I've seen The Blair Witch, <laughs> the movie. I've heard of the, uh, the, the cinematic lore. Yes. <laughs> I'm familiar. As Ellis, a former police officer with a troubled past, you join the search. What starts as an ordinary investigation soon turns into an endless nightmare as you confront your fears and the Blair Witch, a mysterious force that haunts the woods. And then you have to send mean tweets to Adam... Uh, oh, what the fuck's his name? The guy who directed Blair Witch. The new one. Wingard? Wingard, yeah. He's your buddy, man. You love him. I know, and I forgot his fucking name. But yeah, then you have to send mean mean tweets to Adam Wingard. That's part <laughs> of the game. That bird just flew right into your house. There's a a bird flew into my house? It like flew into the door. Stupid bird. Uh, this is going to be on the PC and Xbox One on August 30th. So no PS4 for Tony. Damn. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But like, What's the... In both of the movies that they made about... Well, all three movies, I guess. That they made about the Blair Witch... Uh, Nobody ever has a happy ending. Everything ends poorly. That's true. So why would you want to play a game that you, in theory, cannot win? That is an excellent point, sir. <laughs> right? I don't uh, understand the logic here. I don't know. 
I don't I don't have an answer for that. Well, if you want more info, head over to blairwitchgame.com. Maybe they'll tell you how you win the game. Maybe. You win by just surviving for a while. Just as long as you can. Yeah. It's like Tetris or you never actually win. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> it just makes me think of the witch from uh, Left 4 Dead 2. Mm, like there's really no good way to beat her. Yeah, like you try to sneak and then she just attacks you. Yeah. So, so you, the best way is to just run at her. <laughs> <laughs> With Chomsky in hand. <laughs> just start swinging your arms like this. <laughs> uh, and then she ends up killing you anyways. Yeah. She's the fucking worst fucking bitch. <laughs> anyway. Vidya Games. Yeah. Technology. So, we're still talking about the new Ghostbusters movie, not Ghostbusters High, because God forbid that ever fucking happened. Um, but no, Ghostbusters 3, I guess for the lack of a Obstens- better name. Uh, ostensibly. Um, is uh, the, you know, the wheels are, wheels are still moving on that, as far as we know. Um, and representing that even more is the fact that uh, Sigourney Weaver... In talking to uh, Parade Magazine, that's still around, uh, announced that she's going to be coming back as Dana Barrett. So there's that. There is no Dana. Only Zool. Only Zool. Um, she says, it's going to be crazy working with the guys again. Crazy. Uh, according to Parade, uh, Bill Murray Dan Ac- Bill Murray, and Dan Aykroyd will return. <laughs> no mention of Ernie Hudson. Well, they didn't say he won't return, but they were just like, yeah, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. And, you know, him. Who? The, the, the other guy. <laughs> you know, the, the black guy. The black one. <laughs> uh, director Jason Reitman told EW, or Entertainment Weekly, uh, Sigourney Weaver, <laughs> he, 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 he inter- er, explains her as Sigourney Weaver. Full name. That's how he talks. I don't think he does. <laughs> Sigourney Beaver. Are you ready, Weaver? <laughs> uh, no, he told Entertainment Weekly, Sigourney has read the screenplay, Dan has read it, Ernie's read the script, Bill Murray has read the script. That doesn't necessarily mean they're coming back. That doesn't mean anything. But but they read it. Those are just things. He's just saying like, things. Like, do they like it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I can say I read the script. Doesn't mean anything. Probably didn't actually read it. <laughs> um... As we already knew, though, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things and It is already set star. Has he read the script? <laughs> One would assume. McKenna Grace from Captain Marvel and Carrie Coon from Widows. Coon. <laughs> uh, are thus far attached to star in the new film. Uh, and the plan is still for the movie to come out July 10th of 2020. So they're edging up on a year's time. Yep. And Jason Reitman has said he's this is the continuation of the story. So what happened in the eighties is, is canon, but it's it's the eighties. This is present day, and it's it's it has nothing to do with uh, Paul Feig's movie. Fucking abortion of a movie. 
that apparently everyone is calling Ghostbusters answer the call now. What? Yeah, like uh, that was never a thing before, but all of a sudden everybody's calling it that. I'm not calling it. I'm that. like, I think that was a tagline. I don't think that's part of the, the title. Yeah, I'm not going to call it that. I don't, I don't even want to call it Ghostbusters. I'm going to call it doo doo. <laughs> call it dog shit in a paper bag on fire. That's what it's called. It's that poop again. <laughs> poop. Don't put it out with your boot, Ted. Don't you tell me what to do, devil woman. Oh, we're grown ups. <laughs> Poop. <laughs> Don't put it out with your new bedstand. <laughs> oh, classic. Remember when Adam Sandler was funny? Yep. <laughs> For two movies. Yep. <laughs> he played the same character. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters next year. Get hype. This is fucking stupid. Uh, usually, uh, anything with Blumhouse in it. More like Dumbhouse. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Uh, Got him so hard. Blumhouse is making a movie based on the Magic Eight Ball. Um, Yeah, Uh, Robbie Brenner of Mattel Films, which is apparently a thing, dude. Yeah, Mattel sold a bunch of rights to like uh, Transformers. Um, uh, They sold like Etch a Sketch, uh, Barbie, um, Ouija. No, that's Milton Bradley or Parker Brothers. I don't know. Yeah, Mattel sold like a bunch of rights to uh, a viewfinder. So, even though there probably haven't really been a lot of films about Mattel toys, they sold all the rights to their toys. So, hmm. Anyway, yeah, yeah Robbie Brenner of Mattel Films says since the 1950s, Magic Eight Ball has inspired imagination, suspense, and intrigue across generations. I don't know why he talks like a radio guy from the 50s, but. <laughs> Uh, this iconic toy has a built-in connection with fans and untapped potential for storytelling. There are no partners better suited to tell the Magic 8-Ball story in collaboration with Mattel Films than Jeff Wadlow and Blumhouse Productions, whose unique approach to the thriller genre has captivated audience worldwide and has gained widespread accolades. Tell them who Jeff Wadlow is, Taylor. Jeff Wadlow is the writer and director of Magic 8-Ball, who also wrote and directed Truth or Dare. Which is uh, awful. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I think the fact that everyone says it's awful is probably awful. It's a pretty good sign, yeah. Yeah. He's going to be writing along with Jillian Jacobs and Chris Roach, who also wrote Truth or Dare. (laughs) So is there any way this is going to be good? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. It's like you have people that made a shitty movie making a movie with a dumb fucking premise. Yeah. It's like they're remaking Ouija, which was a dumb fucking movie, uh, but they're just using a Magic 8-Ball instead. Yeah, more or less. Uh, Tommy Dumb says, <laughs> as fans of Mattel and their iconic brands, we're looking forward to bringing Magic 8-Ball, one of their most celebrated toys, to life and playing against expectations in doing so. 
That's dumb. That's a dumb thing to say. Yeah. That's a dumb quote. So it's supposed to be, I mean, th- this Brenner guy, he called it thriller. It, it's supposed to be like super suspenseful or something, but it's, it's going to be dumb. It's going to be fucking stupid. It's, it's going it's, it's to be like a haunted magic eight ball or something. Yeah. And it's like, ask again later. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like a, it's like, um, I don't know. It's like, what was that movie where um, the girl could like, oh, uh, Wish Upon. She oh, had, yeah. like that box, but something bad would happen elsewhere. The one that was just the PG-13 Wishmaster? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's probably going to be that. It's going to be like, ask again later, Tony. Whoa! <laughs> How did you know my name? <laughs> I think we're speaking like it's dumbness into existence. <laughs> we're probably giving them ideas. Probably, yeah. Anyway. Because you know Tommy Blum listens to this shit. Of course. <laughs> so he can sue us for slander. Hey, we're not saying anything slanderous. We have the freedom of speech. That's true. We're just saying, in our opinion, your movies suck. <laughs> and so do you. <laughs> in our opinion. In our opinion. Uh, Is that it? Probably. Who cares? <laughs> Fuck it. I always find it funny how much we hate Blumhouse and yet we always feel compelled to talk about their movies. <laughs> um, Candyman news. Uh, word is that the new Candyman is going to deal with the themes of toxic fandom. Uh, Ian Cooper, who is the director? Producer. Producer. Uh, I was talking to Deadline. And he says, we talk a lot about fans and the idea of appeasing fans. And when you do that and how you do... And how you do... Fuck. There's too many do's in here. When you do that and how you do, you... D- what? What? How do you do? Oh, it says, how do you do? Ah. Uh, there was a lot of do in there. Wait, a lot so, of doo-doo. Well, so much doo-doo. Uh, when you do that, and how do, do you, you do, do that? that? And when do and you when not do, do that? Do you, fuck. This, this, this like guy talks the, in fucking circles. This is like one of those things where it probably sounded more like uh, understandable. More coherent. Yeah. Um, when you know. do that, and how do you do that, and when do you not do that? Uh, I think my issue with fandom is that it's really problematic. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, it's probably the most problematic thing facing the genre. By the genre, does he mean movies in general? <laughs> I, I don't know. If he's... When you have these fucking entitled assholes putting out online petitions, being like, you need to remake the last Star Wars movie to be the way that I want it. Yeah. Or people saying they wanted to, like, was it the whole final season of Game of Thrones? Yes. Or just the last season? They last... wanted to remake the whole final season. So fucking dumb. Like, yeah, okay, we'll just go ahead and do that yeah. for millions and millions of dollars. Just because you wanted to. Fucking idiots. Um, But, I mean, I think he might be talking about horror specifically. Because he does say facing the genre. And in that case, fuck you, Ian. I mean, he's not wrong. Well, sure. 
Um, and you know, the, the problem with a lot of things and, you know, I'm sure there might be somebody out there, um, calling me or us, um, uh, hypocrites for complaining about the whole horror gatekeeper idea. Um, saying, you know, what is and isn't horror. I don't really, I don't personally feel like we fall under that, uh, title. Because we don't, we're not really so much saying what is and isn't horror. It's we're, we're saying, hey, this was made to exploit horror, not as not for the love of horror. So fuck I mean, <laughs> we have said, you know, oh, this movie's not really horror or whatever. But it's at the same time, we're not like holding people accountable for their impressions of those movies. No, it's like if like. We're not like, oh, what's your favorite horror movie? And someone's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, that's not really a horror movie, so you can go fuck yourself. Right. You're not really a horror fan. Why don't you die? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That escalated quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Set it on there, big shoots. (laughs) Take about 20% off. Um, But yeah, like like I said, I feel like we spend more time... uh, lambasting the people that are out there making these pseudo horror films just really cheaply uh, without really giving a fuck to, to exploit the genre and make money from it um, without having really the uh, intention of making something that they, that they or fans can be passionate about. Yeah. It's just, I mean, just a money grab and that's, that's what, that's when I, become sort of a gatekeeper, I guess. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so uh, Cooper went on to say, it typically become, comes with a dogma that is abrasive and is and that is more resistant to change and, and permutation than you would think. I think what we're trying to do with Candyman is be both, both mischievous in how we address the relationship to the first film, but also be very satisfying. Sure. Okay. I don't fully know what that means, but <clears throat> me neither. I mean, going back to like expanding on the the toxic, and here he talks about you know resistant to change and permutation stuff. Like, I think he's. It kind of sounds like he's talking about remakes here, mm-hmm. which you know it's. Yeah, we'll announce a remake and be like, "This is dumb. This doesn't need to happen." But again, we're not like you know tweeting at the filmmakers, being like, "Don't you fucking remake Child's Play," and I'm gonna kill you you know like yeah we just put it out on the airwaves or we, we put it out on the internet it's like hey this is dumb yeah but we don't ever like put it directly in the filmmaker's face no they can find it if they want to but yeah we have had some filmmakers <laughs> uh send us emails or comments yeah I don't know. I'm not really going to get into it. Just like if you, if you can't handle like getting a bad review or one that you think is too harsh, then you are in the wrong business. Yeah. But we don't, we don't pull punches. We're not like if you, if your movie sucks, we're going to tell you your movie sucks. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, it's every review of every thing boils down to it's someone's opinion. Yeah. Like, even if they're a professional film critic 
and they can tell you, you know, oh, well, this kind of shot is this and whatever. At the end of the review, you're asking, was it good? And that question is subjective. Yeah. And it's like, you know, professional critics can be so much, um, just as or more, uh, pointed and, and barbed than, than we can. They just tend to use bigger words, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, what we're doing with Candyman and how Jordan is crafting it on the page is going to be very exciting and rewarding to audiences that haven't seen the original film, as well as people who've seen the original film. Uh, in a broad sense of the word, this film will stand alone if you've never heard of a film called Candyman, and it will dovetail into a pretty complicated and interesting way to the original. In short, I think this will really fit into what we're doing with us and did with Get Out in a way that will be circuitous. Circuitous? I don't know that word. I mean, I can Apparently it means in a roundabout way. All right. So so they're circumventing. (laughs) Circumvent you, the old (laughs) reach around. Uh, Candyman is set for a June 12th, 2020 release. So um, I guess we'll know what they're doing then. This doesn't give us a lot of uh, depth into what the story is going to be, but... It really doesn't. It seems like they I really... kind of like the idea of like a slasher coming after these toxic fans. You know, it's like, oh, you go and talk shit on a message board. Next thing you know, Candyman's coming out of your mirror to fuck you up. <laughs> but I don't really understand. But I don't know if Candyman is the right vehicle for that. I don't know how they make it work. Like, I don't... That's not really what Candyman was. Yeah. So... That's what I'm saying. Like, I like the idea, but I don't know if Candyman is the right... Yeah. The right medium. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 it'll be like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> like, do you post on this forum as Magnolia fan? <laughs> Did you say Jay and Silent Bob are fucking clown shoes? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I trust Jordan Pill. Peel. Um, so we'll see what he does, I guess. I'm sure we'll hear more about this over the next year. So. Oh, I'm sure. On an island in the sun We'll be playing and having fun And it makes me feel so fun I can't control my brain So in a few minutes we're going to be talking about the first film from Stolen Picture, the new label from Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And we already have news on their second film. That's going to be called, well, according to Deadline... Uh, Orion Pictures has acquired the rights to the film, which is tentatively titled Svalta. Uh, Svalta will follow the story of a family on their summer vacation to a remote Swedish island where they discover a serial killer is on the loose. I am a Swedish plumber. I am a Swedish plumber. That's good. (laughs) Uh, Serial killer is on the loose, but the locals have no interest in helping the stranded family of tourists. The title of the movie comes from the name of the island. Oh, I mean, okay. <laughs> it's weird that they're doing a movie that's not based in London. Yeah. You know, England. <laughs> where Essex is. <laughs> right. Where all of England is. <laughs> that's where the Queen lives, too. Yeah, you know, and there's Blackpool and Blackstool and... <laughs> Blackstool sounds like a medical condition. <laughs> uh, the film was co-written by Nick Frost... 
who of course is best known as Ed from Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Stolen Pictures creative directors James Serafinowicz, who, yes, is related to Peter. The Tick. The Tick. Did you know that got canceled? Yeah, I saw that. It's fucking bullshit, man. Uh, as well as Nat Saunders, who is a person. <laughs> I don't know that bitch. <laughs> Uh, Orion Pictures president John Hegman says, we are unbelievably excited to be partnering with Simon, Nick, and Miles on Svalta. Miles? Where the hell did that name come from? Maybe it's a nickname <laughs> for Nat <Matt>. James. <laughs> uh, the story is scary, awesome, and crazy, and their unique voice is perfect for this movie. Well, there's that. There it is. I'm into it. Sure. I mean, I like I like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I'll probably see just you new know, movies that they do. It's it's kind of like uh, you know, if a Schwarzenegger movie comes out or a Sylvester or a Stallone movie comes out, you just you see it. Have you seen the video of Bill Hader doing Arnold Schwarzenegger impressions on Conan? And every time he changes into his impression, his face turns into Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, it's terrifying. Really. Well, like, like they, like, it's like a deep fake kind of thing. A deep fake. Yeah, it's it's like the they like put his face over Bill Hader's face. Oh, okay. Didn't he? Wasn't he the one that used to do it back on like Conan's old show? I don't know. I couldn't tell. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, he's like doing these impressions, and every time he starts talking like Schwarzenegger, his face turns into Schwarzenegger's face. <laughs> Classic Conan. <laughs> I mean, Conan didn't do it. Somebody on the internet made it. But. Oh. I thought you said it was... Okay. It was on Conan's show, but... Got it. Yeah. So what do you think about this premise? I, I mean, it sounds good to me, I guess. Um, Seems fairly fairly new. I can't think of anything else that's really... It's it's familiar, but I can't think of why. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's... It's not too outlandish that it's like, well, I've never heard anything like that before, but yeah. you can't really place anything specifically like it. I mean, the whole thing that like some things after these, you know, new new people and you know, the locals want to help. I'm trying to think of that, that that premise is very familiar, but I can't think of anything like it. I don't know. I don't either. But uh yeah, sounds Good enough. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. I wonder if it's going to be a comedy, though. Like, it doesn't really say. It says, it, well, it's, it says it's going to be scary, awesome, and crazy. I mean, it has to be. You would think, right? I mean, you would, I mean, like, well, so they've only done so much work together, I guess. I don't know that Nick Frost has ever actually done anything just, like, dr- dramatic. I think the most serious thing that I can think of that he's done is Into the Badlands. And that's like an action thing. Yeah. But Nick Frost, or no, I'm sorry, Simon Pegg, like he did The Fear of Everything. Has he done anything serious that you can think of? That like he made? That, or that he just made or starred in or whatever. Like Star Trek. Well, he's kind of comic relief in that. That's true. Um, I guess same, same with Mission Impossible. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, like I said, I like their work in the past, so I'm I'm into it. I'll see it. Yeah. 
So, uh, God, is that all horror business? Are we short on a story? Nope, just that's through? five. Well, all right. Um, not even an hour. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Um, well, from here, there's only one place to go, and that's the film review. Disneyland. Oh, we're not going to Disneyland, Taylor. All right, so we have two movies to talk about, and uh, I'll I'll leave it to Taylor to decide which one he wants to start with. I mean, since we were just talking about Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, I think that makes a perfect segue into Slaughterhouse Rules. Did you get my note about the no-go areas? Um, I cannot have pupils wandering about in the middle of the night. These things always end up in a bloody mess. Welcome all to Slaughterhouse. This is the school pecking order. At the top, we have to bat. In the middle, Clemsy Lawrence. Watch where you're looking. And then down at the bottom, Wooten. Who's Wooten? That's Wooten. Hello. I'm afraid Mr. Prig will be unable to teach today or ever again. He died here, alone. Anyway. There's something in the woods. What the devil? That hole is a gateway. And it leads straight down to hell. Now, who wants to buy some drugs? They just ate half the upper seat. Now we can blow shit up. Language wouldn't. Children, save yourselves to the scooter. All right, I'm going as fast as I can. You're making me nervous. Seatbelts, everyone. Stop worrying. What they're gonna do? Eat you alive. (laughs) Delicious. So we inadvertently picked two movies that kind of have a tie-in to each other. A little bit. Yeah. Um, They both kind of. Not center around, but they both involve fracking. Right. And they're both, you know, use fracking as a method to get to a larger story. Yeah. Like this one, it's a little more prominent. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. And this one, it's like. I don't know. Maybe maybe just because it's more at the forefront, but they're both. They're both at the source of the problem. Yeah. So. Uh, so like I said, this is the first film from stolen picture, which is the production company from Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, uh, written by Crispin Mills and Henry Fitzherbert and directed by Crispin Mills, which sounds like a serial company does thinking like, uh, like general mills. I think the, the, the mills makes you think of general mills and then just Crispin is just rice Krispies Krispies. or like crisp. Cookie crisp, golden crisp, a lot of crisps. I was gonna say crisp puffed rice, but I think it's just called puffed rice. I think like I think all the crisps, crisp cereals. Well, no, not cookie crisp. We're getting off. Cookie crisp. I think all the crisp cereals except for cookie crisp are probably made of rice. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite. 
Uh, wait, go away. So this is the story of Slaughterhouse, which is a posh private school in Slaughter, London, England. Weird name. <laughs> it's all London. It's all it's all London. Um, Slaughter. It's a weird name. Slaughterhouse. Strange, strange. Especially for like a posh private school. Yeah, and you know th- this name is enduring for generations. And I know the Brits just love their tradition, but you would have thought at some point they may have like renamed the town. Well, yeah, it's not like it's named after like Sergeant Slaughter or somebody. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, but no, there's this whole legend about how the guy who founded the town <laughs> slaughtered this beast, this like mythical beast, and mm-hmm. that's why they named the town Slaughter, and then the, the school was Slaughterhouse. And it doesn't really make any sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Look at the Wookiee. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, our lead character is Don Willis, Wallace, sorry. And he is Don Johnson. His, he's played by Don Johnson, <laughs> but he's also a teenager. <laughs> teenage Don Johnson. No, it's current day Don Johnson, but he's playing a teenager. Got it. <laughs> uh, it's he's actually so timeless. Actually played by Finn Cole, but he has just been convinced by his mom to go and attend slaughterhouse. <laughs> so he shows up and. He's introduced to, well, first he's put in a house because this, this school has these different houses. It's basically Hogwarts. It's basically Hogwarts, more or less. Apparently there's even a line that's lifted straight out of Harry Potter, according to Cheese. That would, I mean, like I didn't know. Yeah, I, I never would have picked up on it. Unless somebody said, you're a wizard, Harry. I, I would, wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, that's from Harry Potter. Yeah, that's probably like the only line I know. Yeah. <laughs> Except for like, uh, like uh, always, but that could, that could be anything. Just the word always? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that's something that somebody says at some point in one of the movies. Probably. Seems like a safe bet. Well, you know, like... Uh, like They made 12 of those fucking movies. I'm sure at some point someone used the word always. Are there really 12 of those goddamn movies? I think there's eight. Goddamn, that's too many movies. As I say, with my fandom of Friends the 13th, <laughs> with 12 movies. Anyway. So he gets put in House Farda. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Or Sparta, because all the houses are named after Greekness. Greekness. <laughs> um, the leader of his house is Mr. Meredith Houseman, played by Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. Uh, his new roommate is Willoughby Blake, or just Will, who is kind of a troublemaker. He's got a snuff box, does some snuff, just snorts tobacco. Which is the thing that people do, apparently. Yeah, what is he, living in the 20s? I guess. Where do you even get a snuff box? Etsy, probably. Etsy. <laughs> Just these boutique custom <laughs> snuff boxes. They'll, like, burn your name into the top. There's, like, a painting of a cat. <laughs> your cat. Your cat. <laughs> um, your, your first initial was, like, made out of, like, rhinestone. That's the thing. This stuff box has like rhinestones and shit on it. Like it's very fancy. Yeah, it looks like he probably got it from like his grandfather or something. That seems like a bad thing to give your grandson. <laughs> it's bad influence, Grandpa. <laughs> but we, I mean, we get some Shaun of the Dead references right off the bat. Like there's a like kid slams his 
hand against the window and it's like the window's all frosted like in the bar scene in Shaun of the Dead. Mm. It's a little heavy handed if you ask me. I didn't. It doesn't need to be there. I didn't ask you. I don't care. This is my review. (laughs) But anyways, Will's got like this cache of weapons. He's got like, I don't think they're actual rifles, but they're like air rifles or BB guns or something. Yeah, like it was a BB gun or a a, a airsoft or something. Yeah. He seems to be the go-to guy when someone has something they need to just kind of stash. Mm. Uh, There's also uh, Clemsy Lawrence, who is just, she's the the hot girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's played by someone named Hermione. There you go. It's a tie-in. He has another (laughs) Harry Potter. Um, And Don is just just smitten with her. He, He wants to get up in there. Stir them guts. Yeah. Uh, but everyone tells him, you know, she's out of your league. Yeah. Yeah. Typical teen movie banter. Yeah. Uh, we also have Clegg who is, they, they call him a sixth, which I guess is like some kind of hot shit thing. I have to assume it's like an upperclassman or something. Yeah. But he basically like just, he enforces the rules with an iron fist. Right. Whereas, uh, you know, Meredith, he's kind of, you know, he's, he's the cool, the cool teacher. Right. But yeah, Clegg is the, you know, he's the TA that just enforces the rules. Yeah. Just got to hair up his ass for no real reason. Yeah. He's like super militant. He runs like, um, I don't know what the equivalent would be, but it's basically like the JROTC, like yeah. whatever military group is within the school. That's, that's basically, he runs it. Yeah. Or is the head officer, whatever. Big dick. The big, the big dick swinging. The, the swinging dick. Uh, and then... Um, Michael Sheen, who people might know as Wesley Snipes. Um, yeah, that's how they know him. <laughs> if you look at me and a picture of him, which one of us do you think would be named Wesley Snipes? <laughs> but he plays the the headmaster, who's apparently just called the Bat. I don't remember them ever calling him that. I just remember them calling him headmaster. Yeah, like his like is his name not even on Wikipedia. Wikipedia just has him as, quote, like, in quotes, the bat. Huh. Okay. Yeah. But apparently he has allowed this company to just frack the backyard of the school. Just freaking fracked it. Just fracked all over the, your face. <laughs> just fracked um, it up. <laughs> the Behind the school is this big woods, and behind the woods they're they're just fracking all over the place fracking all over the woods <laughs> got him <laughs> um don and will stumble across this giant sinkhole that is emitting the, some kind of poisonous gas and uh it's green so you know it's there yeah well it turns flames green <laughs> The, there's also, I mean, there's, like, yeah, there's kind of a, a mist. Yeah. But so they go into, they tell the headmaster and he's like, oh, you know, I, I'll, I called Terrafrac and they said everything is normal. Don't worry about it. It's just, it's just methane. Methane. <laughs> I love the guy from Terrafrac. It's like, ah, oh, methane leak. There's your methane leak. <laughs> I kind of wish they would have had Peg and Frost just play those two guys. That would have been good. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't I wish they would have had roles like together because the roles that they had weren't like they didn't connect. Yeah. Like I think they had like like 30 seconds of shared screen time. Yeah, it's like honestly 30 seconds. Um uh let's see. So the these two Terrafract guys, they see something on the there's a radar or whatever that's monitoring the sinkhole and they see something in it and they're just like, "Oh, whatever, it's probably just moles or whatever." Turns out it's these uh prehistoric monsters right who have like uh, gopher teeth and kind of look like uh kind of like the devil dogs from Ghostbusters a little bit yeah basically if you like took like a uh, a hairless um not a mole but uh uh like a sh- like a shrew almost no not a shrew what, what the fuck am i thinking of uh, like a mole rat. Is that a thing? A mole, a mole rat? rat? Yeah, sure. So it's like hairless and gross looking. Yeah, giant buck teeth. Yeah. Okay, so that. <laughs> uh, and you turned it into like this giant fucking mutant. That's well, basically what it looked like. But like a like a lizard. Yeah, that. That's the thing. Yeah, so like a mole rat, but like with like lizard skin. Yeah. That's him. Yeah, that's the ticket. That's him right there. They call him that because he was all up in it. (laughs) Loving it strong. (laughs) Oh. Is that a... Out cold? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That was a deep dig. Yeah. Um, yeah, eventually these creatures get out of the hole and attack the school, and uh, the kids got to rally and fight back. Before that, there's really nothing that happens. It's basically a coming of age story. Yeah, about uh, Don trying to put it in Hermione's butt. Yep, pretty much. Um, I already forgot the character's name. Uh, I just called her Hermione. I don't remember. Clumsy. That's the one. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole first half of the movie, it's like, you kind of get an inkling that something weird is going on. Yeah, there's teases. Um. They just kind of like leave you breadcrumbs. Yeah, but as far as monsters, you never are really assured until one's on the screen, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, like, like, the kids are out in the woods, um, I can't remember exactly why, but it's um, Don, Willoughby, Clemsy, and what's her friend's name? Kim. Kim. They're out in the woods for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, and they happen across. No, sorry. K. K. Uh, one of these creatures, but it looks like it's a baby one or something. And one, it jumps at Clemsy and jumps into her shirt. <clears throat> Lost my breath. Jumps into her shirt and then she beats it to death inside of her shirt, like kind of like a, like a pillowcase type thing. Yeah. Um. And that's really the first the inkling, or not inkling, but the first confirmation you have that this is like a monster movie. 
up to that point, you, you're not really sure what exactly is going on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, for for a good part of the movie, I'm sitting there wondering. It's like, is this is this going to be a horror movie? I mean, is there something horror worthy going to happen at some point? And it takes a long time for that to happen. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it was a long time. I remember we talked about this on the show when they first announced it. And I honestly don't remember what we talked about or what we said it was about. Um, but I kind of went into this blind. And so as I'm sitting there waiting for something to occur, it's like, where is this going? <laughs> but like I knew basically what I knew was fracking unleashes these monsters on a private school. Okay. Would I should I have known that too? I feel like we did talk about that. Okay. Uh, it's it's been a long time and I, I don't yeah. really remember. And I prefer not to read into movies that we're going to review more than I have to. Right, yeah, same here. But yeah, it just took a really long time for it to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's a, there's little teases, you know, where they'll be like, "Oh, there's something in the hole and oh, it's getting closer," but there's really no horror elements uh, until, oh, I see the problem. Uh, until the really the last act. Yeah, and uh, you know even the teases like like you said you know it's something, mm-hmm. but for all you know it could be like mole people or <laughs> fucking crab people. <laughs> <laughs> Or even just moles, like they say. Like, I mean, obviously that wouldn't be a very entertaining movie, but no, it'd be boring as shit. But I mean, you don't even get like teases of something coming out and killing somebody off screen or something. Like, even something like that would have helped, kind of, lead you more into the horror finale. Yeah, and it's like you know, when they start at the school, or when when Don Don right, yeah, first starts at the school, and you know he's introduced to Willoughby, we're instantly put on guard. Because the his Willoughby's former roommate, the one that Don replaced, um, like at first it seems like he left suddenly, but then as thing as things go on, where it reveals that he actually died, and it's not by anything mysterious, um, or sinister. Yeah, and. There's really none of that that goes on. It's not like he starts at the school and says, oh, people have been disappearing. It's so weird. We can't really explain it. Yeah, it's not like there's anything mysterious about the school itself. Yeah. Like, everything revolves around this fracking company that's in the, the back. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the, like, the, the fracking company itself doesn't really come into play ever, really, other than the fact that they opened the sinkhole. Right. So, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in this that just seemed like it went kind of unused or not used well. Um, yeah. It, I think there was just a lot of unexplored potential in this that just didn't really come to fruition. Yeah. And Nick Frost plays this uh, like hippie guy that lives out in the woods and yeah. he's, he's trying to stop the, the fracking. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> like they're out in the woods and they're running from the the fracking company who pretended to shoot him by making terrible gunshot noises over a loudspeaker. But they like run into him and he's like, who wants to buy some drugs? Right. 
<coughs> and then like later in the movie he's tripping out on these like fucking super mario sized mushrooms yeah. those are those are real mushrooms they're mushrooms that look like they actually grow and i like i think they only grow like in the uk or something because oh yeah i've never i've seen a lot of different mushrooms grow around here but never one that looked like that i like how this guy sticks his head in his tent and says something and he's like sticks out the mushroom he's like you're not staying for dinner (laughs) yeah apparently the the fracking supercharged them yeah anyway yeah i mean i don't really know what else to say there's you know there is there's at least one really good gore scene um where the monsters invade an orgy. Yeah, that's good. And then uh, later on when they're running from them, a couple people get taken out, like one right after the other. Um, those are pretty good. They're kind of kind of off screen, but there's a lot of blood, you know, a lot of, you know, biting. It's not bad. Yeah, like one character gets torn apart, and I was just expecting him to be like, Joe God, <laughs> Not as many homages as you'd expect, especially from a Frost and um, Peg movie. Yeah. But I wonder how much of that is because Edgar Wright wasn't involved. It's true. I want them to do more work together. I know. It's been too long. For real. What is it? What is he even doing? Uh, He's making that movie with uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Mm. The psychological thriller or whatever. Mm, mm, mm. Um, this got Margot Robbie in a little cameo. Yeah, that was weird. I mean, whatever, but it just seemed weird for such a high, you know, kind of an A-lister, I guess. Yeah, the only time she's on screen is like via FaceTime. Right. Yeah, I didn't understand what the point was. Could have been anyone. Yeah. But whatever. Maybe she just owed someone a favor. So yeah, um... I don't really know what else to say. Like like I said, the first two acts are more or less just this like coming of age romantic comedy. My dog wants to contribute. (laughs) But he can't because he can't talk. Stupid. (laughs) Yeah. um, It it really, if you, if you went into this completely blind, like, you know, we, we knew that it's a horror movie or a movie with horror elements. Um, if you went into this completely blind, if I like would have sat my wife down, uh, with me and had her watch it, having never even heard of it before, she probably would have had no idea what she was in, in, in for. Um, and you know, that first half to three quarters of the movie, um, she probably, yeah, would have thought it was just like a, a teen, you know, a teen love story. Yeah, with like an environmentalist message. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, until you get to the point when you get down to it, like the monsters and, and what's really going on, the the whole fracking thing seems kind of pointless. Yeah. But anyway, um, but I mean, that it, it looked, it was very well done. Um, it was shot very well. Um, the acting was really good. Or, I mean, fine. Wasn't, like, award-winning, but... Yeah. Um, At the beginning, too, there's a lot of, like, what feels like foreshadowing, but it doesn't feel like any of it really 
comes to fruition. Like at one point, the headmaster talks about like showing everyone our guts, mm. and he also says to um, what's his name, Meredith? Yeah, he says to Meredith that long distance relationships always end in bloodshed. So like there's these things like that where you're like, oh, that's gonna there's gonna be something there, mm. and it it doesn't specifically, you know, like obviously you know it does. There's there is bloodshed and guts, but. If there's not like anything that you can specifically say, oh, that was a callback to before. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't register, I guess. Yeah. Um Yeah. Like technically there was nothing wrong with it. Yeah. As as far as the film goes, it was fine. It was just the story seemed like it was kinda lacking. Yeah. And like, you know, it's it's not really fair to compare, but it, it doesn't hold a candle to any of the Cornetto movies. No. Really. It, it, yeah, absolutely not. Um, but, yeah, I don't know how you could really compare anything to those, though. Anyway, um, anything else you want to say? Where, I mean, where are we Over at? Over 23 minutes. Okay. Um, no, I don't think so. I just, I wish that, because, you know, the, when they do the little teases, they, it's, you know, through ambiance and, you know, s- score and stuff like that. They do lead you to believe that it's something horror or something horrible that's, you know, that, that they are leading into. But I just wish that these teases had been more of a horror feel. Like I said, you could have had, you know, like someone getting torn apart by something off screen that you don't really know what it is, but you still know what it's capable of. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I wish I could have gotten more more teases like that that really kind of led you into that this was going to be a monster movie. Mm-hmm. And that the events of the end were will would be more would be so dramatic. Yeah. And I guess it never really felt like there's a whole lot on the line. Um, I mean, sure, yeah, they're monsters and they're, you know, hunting people and killing people, but I guess you just never really feel that tension. Or maybe that was just me, I don't know. No, I agree. And there seems to be like these, like they almost try to introduce a mystery like later in the movie, but it doesn't really like ever cash out. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like aha, well, not a lot, but there's like towards the end, there's a lot of aha things that like seem like they're kind of puzzle pieces fitting together. It's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, like it's not like this big moment where you're just like, oh, that explains the thing. Yeah, it's, it doesn't change the film at all. It's just kind of irrelevant information. Yeah, it's like there was this guy and now he was, he was this guy. And you're like, oh, okay. It's like, <laughs> neat. <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh, and he disappeared. Oh. <laughs> so? <laughs> like, oh, shit happens. <laughs> like, did that lead to anything? No. <laughs> did it reveal anything? No. Then why? <laughs> why is it there? Is that it? More or less, yeah. All right. Um... I'll do it a five. 
Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, it's, it's it's whatever. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's a good movie. It just it has it it could have lent itself to the story more. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're. It was like, almost like it didn't know what it wanted to be. Right. Does it want to be a horror? Does it want to be a romantic comedy? Does it want to be a coming of age? Yeah. Yeah, like you know, earlier when we were saying, it's like there's just so much unexplored territory that could have developed the story more or led it down more interesting paths, and just it's that kind of stuff really never happened. Those things it would like start to go down a path and then just kind of like turn around and go back. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, well, why don't we go down that path and see where that goes? Right. And it does that a couple times where we're just like, okay, now we're just back to where we started and whatever we started to explore didn't matter. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's that. So onwards and upwards to our next film review, which is a Jim Jaramusch movie that just came out. Um, it, it is called The Dead Don't Die. In this peaceful town... On these quiet streets, something terrifying, something horrifying is coming. Excuse me, we're closed. Get away from me! What the hell was it? A wild animal? This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. You look gorgeous. Oh my. Are you in this together? Flesh-eating zombies. Don't joke, it's really, really creepy. Oh, man. This isn't going to end well. They gravitate towards things they did when they were alive. Chardonnay. Did she just say Chardonnay? Yeah, she did. Welcome to my world, zombies. I've been telling you this is all going to end badly. Well, that's unfortunate. I'm quite confident of my ability to defend myself against the undead. I can see that. Excuse me. Those are some pretty good cuts. You played some minor league ball, didn't you? Well, um, a little class A. It was a long time ago. What are your feelings on Jim Jarmusch? I'm not a big fan. I have not seen a lot of his stuff. I haven't seen a lot of it either. Um, um, just a couple. The the things that I know of... Is, it's funny because as we were on our way to the theater, Cheese was asking me, like, what's this movie about? And I was like, well, it's a Jim Jarmusch movie, so it's going to be pretentious. <laughs> Yeah, really slowly developed, um, very dry. Um, yeah, and it it, it kind of was. Yeah, I mean, it it was a Jim Jarmusch movie. Yeah, I don't know that I'd call it pretentious. No, 
Not as much as some of his other films. Yeah. And it was funny, but I don't know that that had much to do with the movie itself, more so the, the delivery cast. of the cast. Yeah. And this had one hell of a cast. Yeah, it did. Um, I mean, you had Bill Murray, Adam Driver, uh, Tilda Swinton, Chloe Savigny, um, Steve Do you Bush- know that's how it's pronounced, her last name? I've heard it pronounced both ways. I, I've heard it both ways? Yes. Like, it's like... Yeah, like that. You say both ways, you mean Savigny and... Savigny. See, I've also heard Seveny. I have not heard that one. I don't know. I don't care. Um... Uh, Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover, uh, Rosie Perez, I- Iggy Pop, the fucking RZA, <laughs> Carol Kane, Carol Kane, who was like, what, like a total of five minutes on yeah, screen? She was very disappointed that there was not more Carol Kane. Really? She's a huge Carol Kane fan. <laughs> um, Selena Gomez, and because of the Jim Jaramouche movie, I keep saying Jaramouche, Jaramouche, uh, Tom Waits was in it. And Larry Fessenden. Right. <laughs> Out of um, but yeah, just one hell of a cast, and you know they're all really at the top of their game. I, I would say. Um, now this is like you know a lot of people that have you know worked a lot in comedy, but it's and, and this is a very dry comedic movie, um, but not over the top. Uh, anyway, so, I mean, it's, it, you know, as the, as the title would lead you to believe it's a, um, a zombie movie. Um, it takes place in the town of Centerville, uh, Pennsylvania. Um, by the way, so many Romero, uh, um, homages, homages, thank you, in this movie. Um, and, uh, so it takes, yeah, Centerville, it's just a tiny little, I don't even know if I'd call it a town. It's What's the like slogan? A, it's like a real nice place or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a nice place. Something super generic. Yeah, I'm, I may be wrong on this. I may, may be remembering wrong. Um, but like a decade ago, Federal Way paid a marketing agency to come up like a, with like a rebranding. And uh, the town slogan they came up with is a nice place to live. <laughs> That's what we, the taxpayers. Who are the ad wizards that came up with this one? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's what taxpayers paid for. A nice place to live. <laughs> it's better than Metro Natural. <laughs> um, anyway, so it starts out with uh, Carl, the, the or not Carl. Cliff. Cliff, thank you. Well, you know, Cliff and Ronnie. Uh, Cliff's the sheriff and Ronnie's the deputy. Um, and, uh, they're out responding to a call from farmer Frank, uh, farmer Frank, who is played by, uh, Steve Buscemi, um, out investigating, uh, the, the miss or some missing chickens, um, from farmer Frank's, uh, farm, farm. <laughs> cause, cause he's a farmer. Farm. <laughs> farm. You know, farmer Frank, the farmer, <laughs> um, yeah, so there's some missing chickens, and he's insistent that Hermit Bob, uh, who is played by Tom Waits, has stolen the chickens. So they're out there kind of, you know, giving him the rundown. And, you know, Cliff, or not Cliff, uh, Ronnie is very by the book. He's very dry. He doesn't really have a sense of humor. He doesn't have, 
much in the way of like a personable personality. Um, and so, you know, Cliff is kind of like, you know, it's like, all right, well, I, I don't think he did it. Let's just, let's just go. He's like, let's just let Bob be Bob. Yeah. He minds to himself. Yeah. It's like, you know, I went to school with that guy and he, he's, I don't think he'd hurt a fly. Let's, let's just leave him alone. Um, I do all the time where it's like, Hey Cliff, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and so Hermit Bob actually ends up being kind of like the narrator almost. Um, not like a consistent thing, but every once in a while you hear like a voiceover or, you know, him kind of like investigating, investigating the, the goings on around town. Yeah. Even, I mean, just kind of lamenting to himself. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just kind of looking on from the woods through his busted up binoculars. And that's kind of his, his contribution to the story, I guess. He doesn't really interact directly with anybody except at, you know, the very beginning of the film. Um, so, uh, Cliff and Ronnie are driving through town, and they kind of notice they're driving along and driving along. along, and uh, they notice that hey, it's like almost nine o'clock at night, and it's still daylight out. What what the hell's going on here? Um, they realize that both you know, their cell phones are dead, um, the radios are going dead, uh, their watches are dead. The watches are de- yeah, they're not not ticking anymore. Um, so just a lot of weird goings on that they can't really explain. Um, and, uh, I think of all these things, the fucking sun not going down yeah. would really fuck me up. Although that's how it fucking feels now. Well, you, it doesn't get dark until 10 o'clock at night right now. You expect this when it's like, you know, if it's like, you know, March and it's like almost nine o'clock at night and the sun's still out, you're, you're going to wonder what the hell's going on. Yeah. Our daylight savings time is so weird because it feels like like it's only an hour change, but it's like in the fall it gets dark at five o'clock in the afternoon. In the summer it gets dark at ten. Well, because the days get longer, also. Well, yeah, but still. And since it's we're a f- big difference, we're further north, so our days are actually longer than like if you're going down to L.A. Because mm. we're further, we're closer to the sun. When when it's when the when our area. When our spot on Earth faces the sun, we're facing it longer than they do in L.A. So our days are actually longer. All right. Science. Bill Nye. <laughs> um, and uh, there, there's a lot of characters in this. I don't even know how, how I can like really talk about all of them and still kind of do like a, a cohesive review. You probably don't need to. Yeah. The main characters we're worried about here are Ronnie and Cliff. Um, and Millie? Um, is it, is it, I want to say it's like May. Um, Mindy. Okay. Played by Chloe S. S. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and so they're just trying to figure out what what's going on because things keep getting weirder. And then Iggy Pop and some lady rise from the dead. Sarah Driver must be related to Adam Driver. That's just too much of a coincidence. Keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay. Um, 
they rise from the dead, and they're like the first zombies that we see. And they wander their way into a diner and kill the owner or the you know, the waitress or whoever that is working there and the cleaning lady. Um, and that's kind of like the beginning of, of the end, so to speak. Um, the next morning, uh, Cliff and Ronnie and later on May, uh, Mindy um, show up at the scene. And now it's funny because Ronnie is breaking the fourth wall, but ever so subtly. Like at the beginning, when, when the opening credits are running, they're playing the song called The, the Dead Don't Die. Um, by Sturgill Simpson. By Sturgill Simpson. Uh, is that a real person? I don't know. I've n- I'd never heard the name before. Me neither. Um, yep. American singer-songwriter. Okay. Well, yeah. So Sturgill Simpson does the, the theme song, or not the theme song, the title song, um, and it's playing over the credits and it kind of fades out as the as the actual film starts. I don't think Sarah Driver is related to Adam Driver. Oh, that's a weird coincidence. Um and then later on the when Ronnie and Cliff are driving he put he puts on the radio and the song's on the radio and um and Cliff is like what is this? He's like oh it's the Dev Don't Die by Sturgis Johnson. Sturgill Simpson. Sturgill Simpson. <laughs> Way off. <laughs> well, it's close. The first name. Sturgill Simpson. Simpson. <laughs> they said it like 40 times. I don't know how you can forget it. Yeah. And it's right here. I'm staring right at it. Um, that Cliff's like, why does it sound so familiar? He's like, oh, it's a theme song. What theme song? Or I forget exactly. I think he just says like, it's the theme song. He's like, yeah. And then that's it. Like that, it just goes to something else. Yeah. And it's really, it's like, it's so, it's so subtle. subtle that you're not sure. It's like, is it the theme song for something else? It's like, or is he breaking the fourth wall yeah. and saying it's the theme song for this movie? And then, you know, later on towards the end, um, I, I won't reveal exactly what's going on, but again, Cliff and Ronnie are sitting in the car and he's actually, do I don't really want to talk about that? Or should I just kind of leave it? As it is, we just leave it. Just, I mean, he breaks the fourth wall again, and it's even more obvious. Yeah, and it's 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 funny. There's um, also a part too where he gives his keys to someone, and they're like, he has a Star Wars keychain, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, Star Wars, that's good fiction. He's like, yeah, <laughs> like you almost expect him to be like, because I was in Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, wasn't Tilda Swinton in it too? In Star Wars? Yeah. Was she? I don't know. Look it up. Wasn't she that uh, that bounty hunter that was dressed like a stormtrooper? Boba Fett? No. <laughs> I don't think... I don't Captain think, Phantasma? I don't think she was Boba Fett. Anyway. Um, yeah, so basically the, the just the dead start, start rising in, in droves. Um, it's weird that they are coming to life in in sequences rather than just all at the same time. Um, and find out that through... She was not in Star Wars. She wasn't? Must be thinking of someone else then. Anyway, um, should I talk about why it's happening 
I guess we kind of already mentioned it. Yeah, we kind of mentioned it. So you yeah, probably <clears throat> So basically through a series of news reports that are kind of either in the background or the, the characters are watching or listening to, we find out that due to excessive fracking on the poles of the earth, um, the, the global sh- tilt has been changed. Yeah, the earth is off its axis. Um, which is just as catastrophic as it sounds. Yeah. That cannot happen. <laughs> um, but the EPA says it's fine and it doesn't, it's not affecting anything. Well, they're saying it's not happening. Yeah. They're completely denying it altogether and saying that fracking... Which we all know government would never do. Of course not. Especially not the American government. No, certainly not. <coughs> um, and we discover that like, yeah... So the Earth's off its axis, and you know days are getting longer. Titles, um, tidal patterns are changing. Um, it's affecting the growth of, uh, of vegetation. Everything on the Earth is just fucked, and the dead are rising from the grave. Yeah, why? It's not really explained. Um, it's just kind of accepted. Yeah. Um. But. I mean, the zombies are pretty traditional in the sense that uh, they're they're slow moving, shambling zombies. Um, shot to the head takes them out, kill the head. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's different than like your typical Romero zombies are that they seem to be somewhat uh, uh, cognizant. Of course, that's I guess more if you think of like Land of the Dead and on. They're a little more. I mean, similar to Romero zombies, they go back to the things that they enjoyed doing in life. Right. But in this, they, they, you know, they talk about it. They don't have, like, have a discussion, but like, like Carol Kane rises from the dead and she's like, Chardonnay. Right. Yeah. And Iggy Pop and, and uh, Sarah Driver, they're both, they walk into the diner and they're like looking for coffee. Yeah. And you have these little kids and they're like Snickers or Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are trying to beat down the door of the pharmacy, and you hear this one going, Xanax. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and typically that thing would kind of bug me, but I don't know if it's just because I wasn't, like, super invested in this that it didn't, or or just if it wasn't just so prominent that it, that it didn't really bother me much, I guess. But for the most part, they were just pretty much brainless shambling zombies, which yeah. which is fine. Um, that's, that's, that's the way it should be. Damn it. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, like it's, it's basically these people, this, this small town trying to survive the, the zombie apocalypse. So, um, and you've got Caleb Landry Jones from, uh, from get out and, uh, twin peaks. Right. He plays this, uh, like gas station shop owner. Mm-hmm. And he is very like he watches all the zombie movies, so he knows what to do. Basically, yeah, he's kind of your zombie expert. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, what do you think? I didn't like it. No, like at all. I, it was it was fine. It was um. You know, it was watchable. My only thing was a lot of things happened for no reason. Example, uh, the spaceship, yeah, that was weird. 
I kind of expected it at at a certain point, but I thought it would lead somewhere. Yeah, I thought there would be a purpose for it. There's a lot of things in this movie that I feel like just happen for no reason. Yeah, and it's not like like um. Well, let's take like a uh, a Jordan Peele Peel movie. God damn, I keep saying that Jordan Peele movie where you have to like kind of peel away the layers um, to really find out like kind of deeper meanings and things. This, it seemed like it was very transparent. Oh yeah. There's nothing like really like a, that you have to pick apart. There's no metaphors. There's no, I mean, there is, there's metaphors, but they're very, very much laid out for you. Yeah. And um, if you still don't get them, don't worry. Cause Tom Waits will explain everything at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. He really did just break everything down. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, like you said, there's nothing wrong with it so much. I mean, a big part of it is that I'm not a fan of deadpan humor. Okay. Jim Jarmusch, Wes Anderson, not my style. Fair enough. And I mean, I understand there's plenty of people that that is their style. There was people in that theater that were, there was at least one guy. And it, I think this hampered my viewing experience. Because things that, to me, weren't funny at all, and that didn't even seem like jokes, <laughs> it was just like, Bill Murray would be like, oh, good morning. This guy would be like, <laughs> And I'm like, dude, you need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah, I think because, if you like look at theaters that this is in, it's very select. Like, some places may not even have access to this movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I have a theater here in town that shows most of those, you know, A-list first-run movies, and it wasn't there. And there's, like, 17 screens there. Hmm. So, um, I mean, I had to go down to Auburn to see it. Auburn, that way. <laughs> yeah, luckily this was playing at the one in the U Village that I always go to. Mm. I like it there because it's 21 and over. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, this was rated R, anyways, but still, right? Yeah, it was very clear to me that there must have been some Jarmusch fans in the audience. Yeah, and that—that that, I guess that's the point I was making. So that you had to kind of go out to see it, and I think the only people that would really do that are Jim Jarmusch fans. Sure, not the only people, but mostly. So, yeah, same thing. Not hysterical laughing, but like things that, like, I was sitting there and I'd kind of chuckle. Yeah, like, like this guy, I, he felt like he was a plant at a comedy show. Like sure. I was like, nothing in this movie is that funny. <laughs> but he would continually laugh like that. Mm. Just scream laughing. Yeah. It, it, and it'd be like, I couldn't hear the next line because I couldn't hear anything over this guy laughing. <laughs> um, yeah, like a lot of the deadpan hum- humor, I, I'm not a big fan of either. Um, it does have its moments for me. Like yeah, the, I mean, sure. There's there's definitely moments in this that I I got a chuckle out of. Sure, like it was funny to me when they come out of the diner after finding um, I don't know the character's name, but the the waitress and the cleaning lady find them dead and and basically torn apart in the in the diner. And Cliff is like, "Well, Ronnie, what do you think's going on here?" It's like, honestly, I'm thinking zombies. That was kind of funny because he just immediately went there. Yeah. They also, they did the thing where it was like, what was that? An animal? Multiple animals? Right. And then like every person would ask. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that 
basically that whole scene was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and there are some moments along the way that kind of do that too. And I like that Rosie Perez's character is named Posey Juarez. <laughs> it was weird hearing her talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> not being like, hey, Mookie. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I don't think I've ever not heard her talk like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, where are we at time wise? Yeah, we could probably stand to wrap this up, I guess. The whole like breaking the fourth wall thing, like I thought it was funny at first, but then like at the end when they were doing it, I was like, this is stupid now. See, I kind of liked that. See, yeah, um, I liked it at first and then I didn't like it at the end. Fair and Cheese was like, I didn't like how Chloe S's character was just like this big ball of a mess. I was like, I don't know if it was intentional, but it reminded me a lot of Barbara in the original Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Just this like uncontrollable ball of emotion that Ben had to slap her around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely some, like like I said earlier, there was some serious like uh, Romero um, references, uh, references, homages. And homages. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the farmhouse, like where farmer Frank lives and, you know, you see the zombies kind of encroaching on the land and coming up towards the farmhouse. Like there's that. And then the scenes at the graveyard. Um, and, uh, I meant Selena to- Gomez's car is like the, it's the, same, it's the same car from, yeah. Then they even make reference. They even say, you know, it's very Romero. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, I meant to look up to see if this was actually filmed in or around the same area. As Night of the Living Dead, but I, I don't know. It was funny because uh, Cheese is is from Pennsylvania, and she actually like realized it was Pennsylvania before we saw the license plates. Oh, really? Yeah. I kind of wondered if it was. I thought I, I figured it was East Coast somewhere. Yeah, I was thinking maybe it's like upstate New York, or I, I guess maybe Pennsylvania somewhere. Well, like Farmer Frank says something about people like might as well be Amish, so you know, pretty much Ohio or Pennsylvania. Yeah. Which are basically the two states represented in the yeah. Um Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was a great. I like, I like that the RZA worked for your WPS. That was awesome. <laughs> like, at first, it didn't, it didn't register with me because I didn't know it was RZA driving. And at first, I, I was like, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's, that was kind of the joke I thought. Um, but then he walked in and I realized that the insignia was the Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah, it was pretty funny. Um not a lot of like zombie violence or gore. Not really. I mean everything that was there was kind of uh mundane not mundane, but not yeah, not too crazy. Yeah. It wasn't a very bloody movie. No. Um really it, like the waitress and the cleaning lady really are like the worst of it. Yeah. Even when the zombies are um killed you know if they get cut apart or shot in the head or whatever there's no blood there's they like it's like black dust i liked that it was it was an interesting take something you typically see with like uh vampires i think yeah um but i mean they didn't like collapse into a pile of dust it was just like like blowing sand out of the back of their head or something right which i mean you know it's it's a dead body like they've been decomposing yeah it would be something like that right i don't know if it would be exactly that or if it would be more like a tar really thick kind of congealed blood but yeah i thought it was funny that like in the romero movies that there's no real explanation why there's they've hinted things but you never get a real confirmation why this is happening yeah 
and this it's kind of the same way they say it's because the tilt of the earth is of uh, you know the, the tilt of the axis is off um, but why that would yeah why is this like, right making the dead rise yeah um and uh yeah and that that was okay with me i guess I'm, i was fine not knowing i mean i'm that yeah zombie movies i'm always just kind of like yeah they, they probably won't explain it yeah that's it's fine. just there's zombies that's yeah. whatever um but all in all, it was fine. Um, it's not one of my favorites. Um, I, I really liked the cast. Um, I think they all worked really well together. Um, you know, I know a lot of people were just like over the moon about Tilda Swinton being in this. And it's like, I've said this before. She's like, I'm just not a Tilda Swinton guy. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, she, she was really good in Suspiria. She's like the the really only good part of Superior. Yeah, I you know I think she's a good actress, but I her being in a movie is not going to make me see it. No, and people think that she's like that like she's like one of the greatest actresses ever, actresses ever, and you know she's the one of the most gorgeous actresses ever, which I really don't get. Yeah, I don't get that. Um, and uh, but I know Jarmusch likes to work with her. She was in like Only Lovers Left Alive, and yeah. But anyway, so yeah, all in all, the movie was okay. There's nothing to write home about. Um, I don't really. It's not something I'd like encourage somebody out to go out and see. It's like if somebody came up to me and say, "Hey, you saw the dead don't die. Uh, how was it?" It's like it's fine. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, th- that style of humor is not not my cup of tea. So there's that. My, you know, and that's just that's just a personal thing. My biggest complaint about it would be that I, there's a lot of stuff that just kind of happens for no reason. It doesn't advance the story in any way. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they just like took an hour and a half out of a a day, and they're just like, okay, this is a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So it's, I think, and also Cheese brought up a really good point that it's it's a very, not necessarily topical movie, but it's a very like time period appropriate movie where like if you went and showed this to someone who is, you know, say 30 years old, 30 years from now, will it have the same impact? I mean, if the environmental issues are getting <laughs> continuing at the well, still, but there's all these you know very like Trump jokes and yeah, yeah, you know, like the whole thing about the the government being like, oh nope nope, there's nothing to see here. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jeremy, she's not overtly political, but you know, he he doesn't pull punches, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same thing. Like you know, listening to the Clash now doesn't really have that same impact as it did. Sure. When, you know, in the Reagan era. So, yeah, I mean, as far as Jarmusch movies go, of the ones I've seen, I like, like, Dead Man is fine. Like, I've I've watched it several times in my life, and it's, it's pretty good. This one... It's kind of on the same level. I think I'd if I were to pick between the two, I'd probably be more apt to go watch Dead Man again rather than this. Yeah. So. Um, but I really like Sling Blade, though. Oh yeah. It's all right. 
Not a big Billy Bob fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. French fried potatoes. I like the way you talk. Uh, okay. So, um, anything else? I don't think so. All right. I will... I feel like I keep giving movies sixes, but I just I give it a six. I'm gonna go five. All right. I think the big difference is that the the comedy. Like I think you're you're probably more into that style. I know it's not like man, I love me some deadpan comedy, but yeah. like you're more accepting of it than I am. So. Yeah. And again, that's just that's just a personal thing. Yeah, I think I think that is due to our own humor styles. Like I feel like I'm probably a lot more <clears throat> deadpan and sarcastic than than you are whereas you're more overtly humorous dicks 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 <laughs> more puerile you know <clears throat> anyway all right well that's gonna do it guys uh thanks for joining us on this fun-filled episode that we rushed through <laughs> this this very special episode this is probably not even gonna be two hours long whatever <laughs> fuck it <laughs> and fuck you for having a problem with it <laughs> It's late and I'm sweating because it's fucking hot in here. I also, know. my stomach is now growling. <laughs> yeah, all day. You know, we had what almost ten people here. Let's see. There's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Exactly ten. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Go me. Uh, and you know, I have that air conditioning unit. I would have loved to turn it on, but that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, that thing makes noise and it can't have noise. It makes so much noise. But anyway. All right, so we're going to be back here in a couple weeks with a brand new episode. It's going to be a 4th of July episode, right? It will be our 4th of July episode. What are we going to be watching, Taylor? We're going to be watching The Evil in Us and The Bay. There you go. For America. (laughs) It's too bad that we're going to be recording before Gigi's movie comes out. Yes. Because then we could talk about that. Yep. Yeah, what are you going to do? Something to look forward to next year. You know what? One problem that we're having is that uh, in their infinite wisdom, the Zima company or whoever makes it. God damn you, you're fucking Zima. They've decided to not make Zima this year, which is total fucking horseshit. Um, So we need a new stupid drink to drink. And I think we're going to put it to the audience to figure it out. I don't like this at all. (laughs) Sounds like a terrible (laughs) idea. Uh, So... I don't know. Tell us what you think we should drink on this next episode because we got to get loaded on something because this is, it's become like our historically like just fucking weird, wacky episode. I mean, it's, you know, it's 4th of July. You got a backyard barbecue and drink your Zima. Zima. (laughs) I should have stockpiled it. God damn it. Damn me and my shitty foresight. (laughs) Okay. So, um, yeah. Back in a couple weeks with 4th of July, guys. Um, Till then, Taylor, where can people find us? Best place to find us is at our homepage, graveplotpodcast.com. You can catch us on all of the major podcast players except for Spotify. Uh, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. No, Facebook and Instagram as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. If you leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast, send us an email. Let us know you did and we will send you a free magnet. And of course, patreon.com slash greatpotpodcast if you feel like supporting the show monetarily in exchange for some exclusive perks. Love you long time. Taylor yep. will. I will. Taylor's our sixth 
slave. If I have to get a unicorn on my ass, I'll think of you every time I look at it. <laughs> every time you look at your ass. Every, t- every time I sit down for like four to six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll catch you next time. Till then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Oh, the dead don't die Any more than you or I They're just ghosts inside the dream Of a life that we don't know They walk around us all the time Never paid any mind to the silly lives we lead For the reaping we've all sown There's a cup of coffee waiting on every corner Someday we're gonna wake up and find the corners gone but the dead will still be walking around this whole world alone. Cause afterlife is over, the afterlife goes on. There'll be old friends walking. In a somewhat familiar town That you saw once When you looked up from your phone Nobody by the same And you can save all your goodbyes Stop trying to pretend That we're all